right, good morning, everybody. This morning we'll be in Psalms uh, 19 and 20, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Psalms 19 and 20. We've got a lot of things coming up, so we'll go through the slides really quick if we can. Youth night is tonight, uh, 5 to 8. Did anybody build a mousetrap car? Because my daughter didn't, so... Either I'm going to be really busy this afternoon or we're going to let it go. So it looks like we're letting it go. Good. Um, women's lunch on April 2nd. The sign-up sheet's out there. Please join them for that if you want to. Potluck, more food. We love food. April 3rd, uh, baked potato bar is what we're doing. And so your sides will be, uh, if you can bring a, a salad or a dessert or, or some kind. We don't have a problem with desserts, do we, around here? And then worship night. We've scheduled a worship night for April 29th at 7 p.m. We'll give you more details as we get closer to that. But that'll be a, a night of worship for our fellowship and others. I think that's, oh, garage sale, one more. Is that the last one? All right. May 27th to the 28th. It's May, not March. I think when we first sent out the information, we put March on there. So I'm trying to get everybody back on schedule with May. All proceeds go to David Spencer's Africa Ministry, which he's going to share April 4th uh, or April 3rd on the potluck day. Um, uh, about their trip. So he'll be sharing. They're back in country. So, um, And then if you could bring your things Thursday, uh, the, the day before, anywhere between 9 and 7, that'll help us save space. And we've gone over that. But, um, but if you need to bring them sooner, we can work something out too. Anything you want to donate, um, that'll be a blessing to us. All right. All right, making sure. April 19, or uh, Psalm 19, not April 19. Psalm 19. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time we get to spend in your word. As JC prayed, we just pray that we'd have open ears to hear everything you have for us. Um, every time we come to you, it's, it's, uh, when we come to your word, there's always something new for us. Your Holy Spirit's our teacher and our guide. And although we've read it many times, um, um, there's always an area that you'd like to encourage us in or uh, work on or expose to us. And we want that. We want everything you have. We thank you for being our Father in heaven. We thank you for loving us, being our King. In Jesus' name, amen. These are neat songs that David has written. Um, that Psalm 19 is called the perfect revelation of the Lord. And he's going to talk about his word. Of course, in Psalm 119 is all about God's word. When David writes that, it's a very long psalm. But in this, he tries to declare the fact that God's speech and his ability to communicate with man is beyond language. It's beyond anybody's uh, individual understanding of, 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 of certain words. It makes no difference. He can speak to everybody, everywhere, all the time. And David has noticed this. And this is just through, you know, David didn't go to Bible college. David just observed and spent time with the Lord. He just um, immersed himself in God and, and wondered about him and let the meditations of his heart, when he's sitting out there in the field or sitting on the throne or wherever he was, to be on God, and, and God brings these things to his mind and reveals things to him. Um, God's a wonderful teacher, and if we just sit and listen to him and let him speak to our hearts, it's, a, it's an amazing lesson. Um, I, I've had, for example, um, I've had people come to our church for decades sometimes, 10, 15 years, maybe longer, 20 years, and come up and say, oh, isn't that great? God just showed me this this morning. And I'm like, I, I've taught that like 450 times. You know, can I, can t I can give you the, 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 the dates, you know, the time we talked about it. But that was the day that they heard it. And, and it always is amazing to me. 
Um, because I'm the same way. Um, I'll read through scripture, read through scripture. I mean, this is what I do. And yet every time I read through it, there's something new for me. And I know, now I know I've read that, you know, I know for a fact I've read that, but didn't get that from it until now. God is a wonderful teacher. And if we spend time and listen to him, he's, he's far better by his Holy Spirit to teach us if we let him, if we just hear, which is what JC's prayer was. And I, I appreciate that. Sometimes we can become kind of deaf to it, deaf to his word. Well, hopefully we have ears to hear. In verse one, he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun, um, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there's nothing hidden from its heat. Now, David's just describing a day and a night, you know, but for the most part, he finishes up with the daytime, just watching the sun travel from east to west. And um, it's the same every day. We've since moved out into the farm and farm story warning, you know, and, and it's, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but every time there's a sunset, I'm running out on the deck and I'm taking pictures. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I take the time to look at it with my real eyes, but then I look at my iPhone and I take pictures of the sunset. And every time we go, oh, this is the best one yet. No, it's not. I mean, you know, they're the same. And I look at the pictures, I'm like, these are identical pictures, you know. From, <laughs> But for us, this is the first time in a long time that we've been able to just thoroughly enjoy a horizon sunset. We've seen sunsets in neighborhoods, which is a lot different. Still great. That's fine. Nothing wrong with it. But I remember our kids, when we grew up on Market Street, when they grew up on Market Street, they would drive out to Donaldson Soccer Park to go see the sunset because, oh, it's going to be a good one. They could start to see the colors. But for us, our sunset was almost 30 minutes earlier, you know, and it would go behind the houses and you couldn't see anything. So they would drive out to Donaldson. And for us, they would take a trip with their car and go, we're going to Donaldson. Oh, okay. Just to go look at a sunset. That's kind of the people we are, you know. We appreciate that. We appreciate it a lot. And what happens, I think, and what David is trying to bring out of this is that is a that sunset, the, the things we observe in nature is a is a proclamation of God's glory and God's majesty and God's strength, his scope. <laughs> it covers it covers as far as I can see, you know, from from sunrise to sunset. He describes himself perfectly without any words, and yet he just says, that is the word. When you watch that happen, that's a word that breaches, breaches all sound or language barriers, all of them. It doesn't matter. You could have 10 people from 10 different countries that don't understand each other, but if I all watch the same sunset, they all get the exact same information from God perfectly. It's an amazing thing. And how we can sometimes, and I've, I've noticed that also, that I don't notice every sunset. You know, it's the only time I notice the sunset is when I'm done with my work and I'm either walking out of the barn or I'm, I'm, I've come inside and early and we begin to see it happen and we, then we run out on the deck. But if I'm busy, if I'm working, I don't notice it at all. 
I'll just, I'll just, it just gets dark and I'm, okay, bed, thank you. You know, I'm glad for bed, but I missed it. Sometimes we can get to that place where God speaks to us so often and so frequently that maybe we can forget sometimes or we tune them out or it's not as spectacular as it used to be. Then when we really take the time to appreciate it, when we're done with our busyness, when we're able to sit, rest, and actually focus our attention on what he's trying to speak to us. That's kind of what the prayer was about this morning. We have busy schedules, every one of us. I think our lives are getting busier and busier, and that's, I mean, our decision, most part. But a lot of life is picking up speed. The, the rate of information being transferred from person to person is increasing, whether you like it or not, it's faster. You know, technology aside, I don't like technology. Well, since when? You know, you got you to go back. When, when, did you, when did you stop liking technology? Was it with the telephone? With the invention of the telephone, did that bother you? The newspaper, the printing press, how far back do you want to go? Because things just keep getting more rapid. Technology is what it is. This is the way we're, this is the speed of life, basically. But when I get so busy, I forget to take times like this out right here. Right now, we've got an hour and a half out of our entire week to just focus on his word and to just be with him, you know. And that's why he speaks, I think, for me the most at moments like these with you guys. He really does. Our quiet times really need to be dedicated to him. Um, they really need to be focused on him. Take away all the distractions. If you really want to hear from the Lord, all, those, all that noise has to be removed. All the work, all the, all the scheduling that's going on in your head the whole time has to stop for you to hear. You can hear what his spirit is trying to say to you. That's what he's trying to encourage here. You think of the Tower of Babel. That's our... I've got a, several things here I want to go over. The Tower of Babel was a time when people were communicating with each other, but they had refused and stopped communicating with God. This was the most important communication between man and man. And God says that is not the most important communication you can have in your life between you and somebody else. You know, There is a big push. We hear that all the time. Every marriage counseling session is like, you need to communicate more. I mean, that is pretty much the answer to almost all problems unless you don't know how to communicate with spirit-filled language to your wife, unless you know how to speak psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to your wife, communication sometimes isn't the greatest thing for a marriage if God's not involved in it. Because otherwise, it's just your flesh and her flesh, and your flesh is communicating with each other, and that's going to make it worse. God noticed that with the Tower of Babel. You guys are communicating with one another, but you're not communicating with me anymore. And you've come to the conclusion amongst yourselves that you can reach a higher level, that you can supplant me in my authority in your life. So he confused their language to get them to a place where they're not communicating with him. That communication with one another isn't so easy, but everybody can still see the sunset. Everybody can still appreciate the things that are a universal language with their all gods. And so he confused their language. In Romans 1, very simple, very beautiful explanation from Paul to the Roman people that all of creation cries out about the Lord. That's not just the Old Testament with Genesis, but in the New Testament with Romans. It's still the same thing. He's still out there speaking to us. When we built this place, you know, and our builders are here, it's exciting to see them back for a while. Um, 
the folks that helped us put this all together help. <laughs> Doug's like, help? You guys, yeah, we let you participate. <laughs> we were more in the way than anything, but what a blessing. We said, we need windows. God gave us all these trees and grass and all that. And although some sanctuaries, you like them dark so that you can focus on the Lord, and not have the distractions. Our mindset was we're surrounded by all this green grass and green trees and nature that God's given us. We better open up the windows so that we can see them, you know? That was our heart. A lot of light. Let God's light come in and so on. The heavens declare us glory. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see something interesting, and I think pulls those two stories together. Babel, the Tower of Babel, and what he says in Romans. But Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon Peter. Peter comes out of the upper room, and although everybody's got different languages, when Peter speaks... They all hear him in his own language because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. When God speaks to someone, he doesn't need to know the languages. He can say one thing in one language and everybody hears it in their own language. They can all understand it. He brings it all together. God's truth is universal. God's truth is absolute. And there is no barrier for God's truth. He runs and speaks and is communicator of the year. You know, He knows exactly how to share and it works. And so David's just noticing that. He's appreciating that. The day unto day utters his speech. The night unto night reveals knowledge. It's, it's like I can just sit and look and think. It's amazing how looking at stars can go beyond, you know, the word pretty <laughs> to orderly, to magnificent, to my life, to He's got that in control. He's got this in control. The progression of my mind as I focus on the Lord and his, and his greatness all of a sudden gets applied to my life. It just does. Nobody had to teach me that. I just observe. I said, well, if he can do all that, what am I worried about? You know? I mean, I also wonder why he even looks down at this tiny speck of all the other places that he built and notices this tiny person on this tiny speck. And then I think again, well, what, what he does. And so he's focused on his attention to detail and, and, and loves me then because nobody would do that unless they love you. I mean, the progression, it's an amazing thing. And David's just thoroughly enjoyed that his whole life. He thoroughly understands that. He says, I like watching the sun go from sunrise to sunset. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I like them both, you know. Probably hard-pressed to decide which is better. I think I've always favored sunsets. But sunrises are pretty spectacular when you feel that heat hit your face. It's like, oh, not that I don't like cold. I don't like cold nearly as much as I like heat. So when that sun hits your face and the light comes on, it's like, oh, it was cloudy the last few days, except for maybe yesterday, right? We had a little bit more sun yesterday, still chilly. But everybody, almost everybody you talk to say, yeah, but at least the sun's out. Something about that, the temperature didn't change, but it just feels better. And you miss it when the clouds cover it. I know we need the moisture. Very glad for the moisture. You know, I've got boots, you know, I can deal with the mud. That's fine. But I sure appreciate it when the sun comes back out. I think that's the way it is with the Lord. Sometimes I miss a lot of sunsets. Sometimes I miss God speaking to me oftentimes. But when he does speak and when I do hear, it's all the more spectacular. In Genesis, well, I already said that one. Let's go on. Verse 7. The law of the Lord. He begins to speak about God's word written. Not what he's just observed, but what he's written. 
The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Um, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. He loves his word. He loves God's word. He likes to meditate on it. And when he does, he's blessed by it. He begins to describe it in all the different words that we've used before, the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the judgments. All these things are describing the same thing, the written word of God. And every one of them has its own little nuance. It's perfect. It converts the soul. When I read God's word, it converts me. It changes me from the fleshy sinner that I am to a repentant sinner that I want to be and a a loving son or a loving daughter. It converts me. It causes me to love God. It causes me to look at him and to seek him out and to seek his face. The testimony of the Lord is is sure. It always works. It's always wisdom. And it makes us wise when we obey it. Take simple people, make them wise. That's a nice way of putting it. And we'll leave it there. But anybody that wants to be wise, and they just don't feel like they have the brain power to be wise, just read his word, meditate on it, and take it in and follow it. Obey it. And you'll look like you're doing wise things. Like, well, how, like, how did he know to do that? I, I, I didn't, you know. I just did what God's word told me to do, and it worked, you know. How is your marriage so strong? I have no idea. I have no idea. I just read God's word and I do what it tells me to do, you know? And I'm reminded daily on what I'm supposed to do when I'm in God's word daily. Solomon um, wanted that. Solomon desired that. Solomon said, I, I, I feel like a child. You've made me king over a nation and I don't think I can do it. I feel like a child. I don't have the smarts. I need wisdom from you. God was so pleased with that. So pleased with that. Loved that about him. Wanted to, (laughs) uh, I'll read it to you. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and have made me king in this place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me a king over the people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? And then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you've not asked for riches or wealth or honor of life or the life of your enemies, um, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom, knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I can do that. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have like it or have the like. Because you didn't ask for stuff, because you didn't ask for yourself, you asked for wisdom because of the people, I can give you all, I can trust you with all the other things. And Solomon just knew it. I don't have the wisdom to do this. And that's all David is saying. David is trusting, and you know, that's probably where Solomon got the idea to pray that. Maybe he sang this song from his dad several times. Maybe they sang it at home, you know? 
and they grew up later on, older. Solomon remembers that song and says, I just need wisdom from you, God. I need to know what to do. I don't know what to do. You're the only source of all truth. We, uh, I, we like to teach through the whole Bible. Um, and, and it's not because we want to be superior. I just think it's, it's so necessary um, to get the whole counsel of God. Here, here's, here's one of the things I, I guess I noticed. In our diets, when we eat, we, we want to have a well-balanced diet. You know, We've learned that. We learned that you can't just eat one thing your whole life. You need to eat several different things, and different things do different things for your body. And that's why God's given us all the things that he's given us to eat so we can eat them all, so we can have a well-balanced diet. And there's, there's a difference in your health that takes care of you physically. Well, spiritually, it's the same way. Um, to go verse by verse, to go chapter by chapter, gives us the, the portions that we need of certain subjects. I don't, we don't realize it as pastors, but we have pet teachings, and you probably know that I have, we all do. There's nothing you can do about it. We try not to have pet teachings, but we do. Somehow or another, we can take the text that we're in and circle into where we wanted to talk about. You know, We can make it work. We don't mean to. But it's on our minds, it's on our hearts, and so it just comes out naturally. But God's Word, this helps when you go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It keeps us from getting into pet teachings. It keeps us from getting stuck, you know, the needle, have ever, needle, on a, needle on a record player. Boy, I dated myself there and, and the rest of you people that joined me, yeah. It gets stuck in a certain groove, and it's like it's repetition and repetition and repetition. It's like there's more to the album, you know? There's more. God's word as we go from Genesis to Revelation touches on marriage when he wants to touch on marriage as often as he wants to touch on marriage. Talks about raising children as often as he wants to raise children and does that throughout. And it also hits topics that we might have never even thought about. Never even thought to, that we had problems or that we needed to be instructed in. But as we go through from Genesis to Revelation, you'll get the whole counsel of God. He'll teach us by his spirit exactly all and as much as we need. Portions aren't the same. They really aren't. I think we hit on that last Wednesday, how Paul taught four different places. In a, he, he didn't, I mean, he wrote a lot, but he didn't write that much of the Bible in comparison to the rest of Scripture. But of the things that he wrote, he wrote four different times about a specific subject. It was because it's foundational. It's, it's something that we have to know, you know? But, you know, I, I, when I eat dinner, I, I like lunch, dinner, I, supper. I don't know what you people say. When I eat my meal, I have a tendency. I love potatoes. I just love potatoes. Any form. I don't care what form they're. Fries, fried, mashed baked potatoes, but I got to go beyond that, you know, and proportionately, you know, you need protein, you need it, you know, I like, I like this, you got to have it all. Spiritually speaking, we have to have it all, we have to have this, and David is saying all of your law, all of your testimonies, all of your statutes, all of your judgments, they're wonderful, and I want it. I want, it, I want it more than anything else in the world. That's what I want. David's heart to desire God's wisdom over gold is probably where Solomon got his prayer from this song, more than likely. He understood that. Verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Not talking about God's. That's a small h. 
Who can understand your own errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. Then I shall be innocent of great transgression. God's word exposes our errors. We don't really know them until he shows them to us. Sometimes we know them through circumstances. You know, we get the fruit of our sin or the fruit of our mistakes. And, and there's probably way too many examples of that in our own lives, just, just in the physical world. You know, um, I'm learning a lot. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting year. We've learned far more this year about farm life than I ever thought I would learn and, and definitely gone in several different directions than we thought we would go. Um, sometimes we learn the easy way through research. Sometimes we learn the hard way. Um, that that research was for Minnesota, it wasn't for Missouri, or that research was for, you know, Florida Everglades, <laughs> that doesn't work here, you know, kind of thing. We learn these things. And you learn them quickly, you know. Um, and other things we learned that we did right, and we balance those things out. And as we go through God's word, spiritually, you kind of, I know exactly, when you first get saved, I know exactly what God wants to do with my life. I know exactly where I'm going to go. I know and he takes you on his path instead of the path he thought you were going on. That's all David is saying here. I don't want to have these kind of errors in my life. I pray that you show them to me. I want to understand my errors. I want you to cleanse me from secret faults. Secret faults are hard. You know, they're secret because you don't know. You just don't know. And so God exposes them and says, no, this is an area that needs to be worked on. You, you have pride or you have, I don't have pride. I'm the most humble guy around. Wait, you know, oh, I do have pride. There it is. I didn't even realize I had it. I'm proud in different ways. I'm proud of being poor. I'm proud of being rich. I'm proud of being smart. I'm proud of being dumb. I don't know. We could have pride in a whole bunch of weird things. We take pleasure in the fact that we have it and they don't. And that's pride. These secret sins. And then he says, I want you to keep me from presumptuous sins. Where I know where God's going with this. Or I know where I need to go. I know, I know the next steps. Thank you for giving me the direction. I just want a direction. We do want direction from God. But we also want him to order our steps as well. We want him to tell us which, which steps to take. It isn't always a straight line. You know? I got lost in the jungle one time. Short, nobody knows this. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. We spread out in Okinawa. We were doing jungle training, and we, we spread out, and I think too far, <laughs> too far apart. We couldn't see each other anymore. It was, it's hilly. I mean, not hilly, hilly, hilly like you think. It's like you climb on your hands and knees up, and you slide on the way down, and you climb on your hand. And this is the jungle is everywhere. And there is no just a tributary. It's tributaries everywhere. So every hill looks the same. Every water place looks the same. Every leaf looks the same. Right? Well, we spread out because we're doing a, I don't know what the formation was, some kind of line. I wasn't a very good Marine. Anyway, so, well, I slid down and either I came up the wrong hill or whatever. And these hills are maybe twice as tall as the ceiling is all, not, not huge. I came up and there was nobody. I couldn't see anybody. You couldn't see anybody anyway. It's too, too dense. Couldn't hear anybody moving which you like to do. You like to hear leaves rustle. Well, they're all being sneaky Marines, you know, so you can't hear anybody. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. I've got a compass. I've got it, but nothing looks right. 
That's a terrifying moment. Not because I was going to die. You just don't want the helicopter looking for you. Let's put it that way. You know, you don't want the whole operation to stop and say, ah, we lost some idiot. You know, they got to find JD, you know, kind of thing. And you're like, oh God, please, please, you know, please don't let me be that guy. And I found it and you figured it out. But I, the idea was, I, I, we're, we're going this way. Well, this way isn't always a straight road. You know, you, you don't shoot an azimuth and just go up and down and up and down and up and down. You, you find your way around the hill, then you come back to where you were and you shoot your other azimuth. You find a, a different path. Without constant communication with God, without letting him, the direction was fine. I knew we were going northeast. It's no problem. Got it. But how to get northeast was not a straight road. It wasn't a straight line. It was this and that. Now then you have to constantly, constantly shoot an azimuth, constantly figure out where you're going. It was never just a one-time thing. And then you got to count your beads so you know how many steps you're taking. It was difficult. Guys, spiritually speaking, it's absolutely no different. I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have a good job. I'm going to have a happy wife or a happy husband. I'm going to have children that love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm going to have a house and I'm going to have a retirement fund. Those are the things I'm going to have right there. Now, how you get those five things, it ain't a straight road a lot of times. And they don't come in order and there's some missteps and there's some mistakes. It's constant communication with the Lord, constantly asking him, um, recalculate, you know, recalculate my bearing. Where am I? Where should I be? And the only way you can get that is spending time with the Lord in his word to know where my path is versus where my feet are. And if my feet aren't where the path is, I need to move back over to where the path is because I've gotten off the path. And so when I get into God's word, I realize I need to recalculate and get back over here. I've been distracted. I've been going on my own. I ran too long in one direction, not asking God for the next step. And now I find myself five steps off, you know? David says, please keep me back your servant from presumptuous sins. That's one we don't focus on a whole lot. Sins where you make an assumption about God's plans and you're wrong. Let them not have dominion over me. <laughs> what do you think he means by that? How can my presumptuous sins have dominion over me or my secret faults or my errors? How, they have dominion when I refuse to confess them as sin. I think. I don't want to stand there in my presumptuous sin on my passing. No, God, you need to make this work out for me. No, I'm recalculating. I want you to move back over here. I need you to take five steps to your right. No, I want you to make this path work for me. And we let it have dominion over us. We're not willing to admit that it's wrong, that it's not what God wants for us. And to take a step off and say, well, that was an idea, but it was presumptuous, and I need to get off my presumptuous sin and move over to where God wants me to be. It's okay to recalculate. Everybody makes mistakes. That's the one reason I raised my kids to love Jesus Christ. I hope you hear me today, because I had to hear it. It's hard. It's important. The reason I bring my kids to church, the reason I tell them about the Bible, the reason I tell them about Jesus Christ, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy, is not so that they can parrot it back to me. 
I don't want carbon copies of me. I want them to know when they're on their worst day how to get back to him because they're going to have bad days. They're going to fail. They're going to sin. They're going to fall short of the glory of God. And if I don't teach them how to recalculate and get back to Jesus Christ, they're on that path forever. They never get back with God. They've got to know how to repent, how to say they're sorry, how to admit and be humble and broken before the Lord and step back into God's presence again and say, I'm sorry. They have to know that that's available to them, that God loves them, that Jesus loves them, that the Holy Spirit is always trying to speak to them and bring them back. That's why I bring them to church. That's why they read the Bible. That's why we talk about God so much. That's why every Wednesday and Sunday for their entire lives, they are here. You know? So they know that because they're going to be on their own as adults and they're going to blow it. They're going to have bad days. I don't want perfect kids. I don't have perfect kids. Nobody does. They can't. They're sinners. They have to know how to get back. David understands that about his Lord. And Solomon heard his dad. Absalom, not so much. Solomon listened to his dad. You know that deal with Bathsheba that David had? Horrible story. I mean, I don't think we think about how horrible that was. He literally sent the gal's husband to the front to die to cover up his sin. He murdered somebody, not just had an affair or committed adultery, however you want to word it. He killed her husband. David, our guy, our man on the street, the man after God's own heart. That is a rough story. That is a rough fall. That is sin that I assume most in this room have never had. I'm praying, you know. But even if you have, you're in company with David, of all people, okay? So I don't want you to come across saying, well, yeah, I'm not as bad as David. No, no. but if you were, David knows how to get back to the Lord. Now, he was never the saved man. We always have to qualify it with that, I guess. But he was back with the Lord. He knew how to get back to him. He knew how how to get back to the Lord. Solomon knows how to get to the Lord when he makes mistakes, when he sins. Absalom, I don't think, did. Didn't hear this. Didn't hear the grace and mercy. We have to know this path. Our kids have to know this path, how to get back. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I strengthen my Redeemer. Um, David knew. It is not because I'm really good with a slingshot that Goliath died. It isn't. Practice, 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 of course. Always does, always makes you better. Doesn't make you perfect, but it makes you better. He understood the strength that sunk that stone into the forehead of Goliath was what God, that's God. The strength of character to stand up in the face of that kind of adversity in the face of almost certain loss, but standing up because that's the right thing to do. He puts himself in the position. David understood it was God's strength. God also understands that he's, or David understands that God is his redeemer. He's the one that's going to get me to heaven. He's the one that's going to get there. And I pray that my mouth, the things that I say, and the things that are in my heart that I don't say, I pray they're pleasing to the Lord. I pray that my mouth is always used to bring people closer to you, God, and to talk about them and to, you know, be a blessing in people's lives. And I pray that the meditations of my heart would be the same and that there would never be a difference between those two. 
it's easier said than done. You know, I know the polite thing to say to people when I'm in their, you know, when I'm in front of them. My problem is making my, make sure my head and my heart are saying the same things my mouth is saying to them. I don't know if anybody else has that problem or not, but I, I know what to, I know what to say with my mouth. I, I struggle with that in, in, in my other job. That's hard for me. I know what the right thing is to do to make people feel good about me being their realtor. And even when they're unreasonable and they say unreasonable things and they expect un- they have unrealistic expectations about the process, I know the right thing to say to them, to bring them down, to calm them down, to settle them down, to let them know I'm on their side. But in my heart, oftentimes I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what did they think was going to happen? How did they think this was going to go down? Did they just magically think, you know, I, and I've got to catch my heart. And not think that way or talk that way in my heart. I'd never say it out loud, but in my mind, I'm going, you know. To get those two things lined up in every area of my life, whether I'm talking to my wife or you're talking to your husband or you're talking to your kids, that your heart and your mouth would line up. And David says, I pray that that would happen, God. Psalm 20. This is an interesting song. Most of the songs that we sing, you know, some people like our songs. Some people don't like our songs. Some people like certain songs. Some people don't like other ones. Or That one's not talking to God. That's talking to people. You know, I, I need songs that are, this is worship. We're supposed to be talking to God. And it's true. It's true. But Psalm 20 isn't talking to God until the end. It's talking to people, you know. We have a good example here in Scripture of a song that David wanted everybody to sing that was mainly about the other person. Here's what it says. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offerings. That's all to the person. It's to his friend. This is my heart for you. This is my prayer for you. Um, is, it the, is it the Irish blessing or whatever? May the I remember singing that as a Lutheran when we grew up in the Lutheran church. We sang this song at the end of the service. I've, I, once you get me started, I could probably sing the whole thing to you. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know what? Nobody, really? Come on, Lutheran, step up. Come, come, out, of the, come out of the club. I know some of you are raised that way. Hey, <laughs> May the sun rise up to me. May the sun be always on your face. I just love that song so much so I can't remember it. But anyway, it was to each other in Christian love for one another. We were blessing each other before we left. I felt it was amazing. I super emotional this morning. I don't know why. But when I think about that moment, because the Lutheran church, few and far between moments like that, okay? No offense. But as a kid, you're going, oh, when is this over kind of thing? And when we'd sing that song, I was all into it, man. I was like, this is, church is great. You know, as a kid, church is great. And we'd sing that song to one another and you could just feel everybody was into it. It was one of those moments where there was unity. There was this, oh, the Holy Spirit was definitely there. 
And we would sing this song to one another. And that's what David's doing. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send his help or send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all of your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifices. That's my heart for you. That's my song to you, or for you, David says. Beautiful. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. And now he switches. We will, as a group, as friends of yours, we will rejoice in your salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. That's our heart for you. We want that for you. No qualifiers. I get tired of qualifiers sometimes. You know what that means? You know what I'm talking about? When you say, may God fulfill all of your sacrifices. Let me read it. I better may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And then we put in our clause, provided they're God's petitions. May the Lord strengthen you in the day of your trouble. Provided it's not trouble that you got yourself into. All the qualifiers I add to my prayers sometimes. May God answer you in the day of trouble, provided he's not trying to teach you a lesson. That's not my job. David understands his job as a friend, as an equal, as a child of God with a sibling who's also a child of God. David's not over them. I'm not God too in your life. It's the Holy Spirit and then Holy Spirit too and then you. He doesn't do that. He says, as far as I'm concerned, basically, may the Lord answer you in your day of trouble. He doesn't have to qualify it. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. I don't have to qualify that. That's my prayer for you. Whether God does it or not is up to him. I don't need to qualify my prayer so it makes me look like, you know, like this with my siblings. And we've talked about that. How the oldest sibling or the oldest siblings think they're like parent number three in the family, you know? Yeah, what mom and dad said, you know, kind of thing. It's like sometimes as Christians, we can be that way with each other, you know? I'm not called to do that. I am not the third parent. I'm not father two, you know? And he warns us about that, doesn't he, in Scripture? Don't call any man your father. Now, he's not saying you can't call your dad, dad, or dad, father. He's saying don't treat them like God number two in your life. There's the father, and then there's nobody between the father and this next person. Nobody can be in between that relationship. And so David's just praying a prayer for his friend. I pray he grants you according to your heart's desire and fulfills all your purpose. We'll rejoice in the salvation. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to swing our banners in the air. God is great, you know. May the Lord fulfill your petitions. Now, I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Love this verse. Some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. I've circled that and underlined it. Isaiah 31.1 basically says the same thing. The prophet Isaiah says to the nation of Israel, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. They rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But who, does, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord? David understood that. I, I, David's got a lot of chariots. He's got a lot of horses. His kingdom is, is wealthy, you know. They're doing well. He says, but that's not where my trust is. Never has been. Ever since Goliath, never had my trust in my sling. 
nor do I have my trust in my chariots and horses. That's not where my strength is. My strength is because of whose side I'm on. My strength is my God. David knows that. Some do trust in the chariots and horses, but I'm going to call on the Lord. It's a very important thing. (laughs) It says, save, Lord. Uh, Well, I've skipped verse 8, sorry. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call, capital K. I mean, he is the king, but he's calling about the king, king, the king of kings. May he answer us when we call. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it's a very important scripture. This is where we'll close today. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. We spend a lot of focus on our flesh. We spend a lot of time on health and books on health. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with focusing on keeping yourself in, you know, good condition if you can. The best condition that your body can withstand, you know. But don't put your hope in that. It's not that important. And David understood that. David was a ruddy, good-looking guy. That's all we have from him. We don't know if he was strong. We don't know if he was big. We don't know if he was really good with a sling or not. We assume he's good with a sling and a stone. Maybe he was the worst shot in Israel. You ever think of that? Maybe that's why his brothers made fun of him all the time. What are you doing here? I'm going to bring my sling. You can hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, we don't know. We just guess that he's great because he landed it square in the forehead of Goliath. But maybe God did that. David seems to indicate through this. I have no idea why I win all my fights. I just do. I do know why. It's my Lord. He trusts in God. I don't trust in chariots or horses. I don't trust in my aim. I don't trust in the, I've picked the smoothest stones I could find. No, I trust in God. We need to stay in that place. And I hope we maybe we're reminded in that this morning. Maybe we began to look at things we shouldn't look at, things of this world, things of our flesh, put our trust in those things. And that's where our fear comes from because we look at our strength and we look at, our life and we're like, I'm not where I need to be or my body's not where it needs to be or whatever. And it makes you feel less than God says, no, no, no. Focus on me. Bodily exercise profits a little. It does profit, but it profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things. The Bible college out in Marietta, uh, when it was ours. Um, now it's not, I think they're selling it or sold it anyway. It had a little gym at the very top of the hill. And Chuck did that on purpose. Pastor Chuck did that. But it'll clear at the top of the hill, you know, so if you're going to exercise, you're going to have to work for it, you know, kind of thing. You just, we don't make it easy to go exercise. You got to go up the hill. It's your first workout is to walk up the hill, you know, kind of thing. Get them glutes in shape, you know, or whatever. And you get up there and it's just a horrible little gym. It's just all recycled, lame, rusted equipment, you know, kind of thing that's there. And, and the, the gym was called, like, if you look at the campus map, it says Prophet's Little Gym. <laughs> That's what he called it. Because you can go up there and work out if you want to just to burn off some testosterone or estrogen or you know, whatever you are. Um, but you'd be better off spending time studying, spending time in God's word, going down by the, you know, find some peace, you know, with the Lord kind of thing. Otherwise, you can go up the hill if you want to kind of thing. That's important. All right, let's be close today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for David's heart and his uh, willingness to, 
write these songs and share them with the whole congregation. He wants us all to sing them. Um, we do trust in you. And if we don't, we put our trust in you today. Um, if our trust has been misplaced, if we find ourselves looking at the world or our flesh or our own abilities, um, this morning we've heard you. We've heard you call us back to get our feet to where the path is, to be uh, recalculated, to be in line with you again. Lord, we, we accept that. Um, forgive us for getting off track. Uh, now that you've brought us back on track, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and to continue to walk with us and help us to walk with you, to be as close to you as possible. Um, we thank you for giving us a way back. We thank you for showing us that, um, like you did with Peter, um, although the, the rooster was going to crow and he was going to deny you, you said, when you return, when you return, feed my sheep. When you return, take care of these people. Um, you always give us a way back. And we're so thankful for that. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Bless these folks as they go today. I pray that you would cause your face to shine upon them. Be gracious unto them. Be merciful. Give them the desires of their heart. Give them a peace that surpasses understanding. And I pray that as they acknowledge you in all their ways, Lord, that you would direct their steps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.